Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, my friends. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about website migration and technical SEO because uh, it's very important. It's the foundation of SEO results. So I'm excited to discuss this topic with Ludwig Makian. How are you? Hi, Anatoly. Doing good. Hi, everyone. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing great. It's a big pleasure to get you on my show, to learn from you because I see you have good uh, background in SEO field. Before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to take this topic about technical SEO and website migrations. Absolutely. Um, I started back in the day when SEO wasn't a thing and no one knew what that was. Um, I used to be a coder, programmer, um, so it was pretty easy for me to adjust things as I go and learn them. Um, then I got into, I had a web development company. But over the years, my primary focus kind of stayed on SEO. Um, why technical? Um, because I got the, the background on the programming and how things are done online. Um, and today I feel like there is a, a big need for specifically technical SEOs uh, rather than just general uh, SEO tasks. Um, and website migrations is another interesting portion. How I got into it at one of my previous jobs, I helped migrate about 30 websites. And um, sometimes it feels like you don't need to do a migration, but in this day and age, every few years, you kind of need to improve the technology, redesign the website, change a few things around. And usually this entails a, a migration. Um, and most of the time, no matter how easy it seems, there are a lot of uh, small nuances that can cause a lot of big trouble uh, in terms of SEO. So that's why I kind of kept my focus on uh, technical SEO and website migrations. I mm -hmm. love it, love it. Yeah, I think, you know, um, I often see when uh, SEO specialists pay attention to one direction, they are more productive because, you know, SEO is huge. You can't be successful everywhere to provide PR campaigns, link building campaigns, to create content, to optimize UX, uh, analytics, you know, many different directions. So, yeah, uh, I completely agree. When you pay attention to one yeah. direction, you can uh, provide much higher results. Can you tell how is important today to optimize your website with technical SEO? Because Google uh, um, launches new algorithms about UX uh, and paying more attention with uh, human being, not uh, robots. Uh, but I think uh, technical SEO is still foundation. What do you think about that? Uh, there are a few factors. I don't take SEO as a, just a standalone channel for marketing. Um, I consider it more as a cohesive part of the other channels. Um, just like you mentioned, UX, UI. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. SEO, but those teams have to work together. Uh, same would go with PR. Um, link building, yes, it's, it's SEO, but then you have the brand, the PR, the marketing, other channels that generate links. So not necessarily SEO links, but you kind of need to work with them and educate them. Um, as far as the technical goes, um, are you going to stay on a website that takes five minutes to load or three minutes or two minutes? Today, we love everything instant. Like before even you click the button, you want to see what's going on on that website or on that link. Um, so the speed is very important, uh, which come down, comes down to um, usability of the website. Um, 
I mean, some SEOs might say, oh, no, the, the speed isn't def, isn't a big ranking factor for SEO, but I don't take it just SEO. It's about the website usability, the, the experience a person has with the website, and that also impacts your, your SEO or other channels. Um, in terms of technical, it's not just the usability. There is also other factors like if you have a website that's not crawlable by search engines, then you have very low chances to be found there. Um, or a lot of times when people utilize various platforms, they are very dependent on what those platforms provide you, like whether it's WordPress, Wix, or any other platform. That, that's where the technical SEO comes in to try to solve the challenges of the specific website, whether it's the speed, crawlability, JavaScript, coding, and other factors or sometimes mm -hmm. even the DNS and uh, caching or the CDN. Mm -hmm. Yeah, glad that you're available. Uh, and uh, you mentioned about uh, a few minutes, you know, I think even more, a few seconds, you know, because people are impatient, they want to get results immediately. That's why Amazon in, uh, is investing a lot to uh, increase the speed of Amazon websites. Uh, and you know, it's interesting that when I open Amazon, I can get uh, content uh, for a few, uh, I don't know, for a moment, you know, immediately. And it's interesting that uh, uh, I can find everything on this content, pictures, blogs, models, but it's, it's loading fast. I think, yeah, it's very important. And according to a few studies, 20% of uh, users uh, leave websites uh, for each uh, loading second. That means uh, you can lose 20% of traffic just for one second. You know, it's a lot. And, um, you know, uh, I want to ask you about priorities. For example, when I check out any website uh, on uh, Screaming Frog, on Google Search Console, any other recognizable tools, I can see uh, a list of errors, a huge list of errors. Can you tell how to find uh, important or critical errors? Because uh, many web developers can't fix everything, especially if you are talking about some CMS like uh, Shopify, Wix, any others, you know, yeah. even on WordPress, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's hard, you know, to fix everything. Uh, can you tell how it's important to have this green line by page speed and size and how to find critical errors that uh, it's a must uh, fix? Usually those tools, like you mentioned, Screaming Frog, Ahrefs, SEMrush or others, uh, they're very helpful to highlight you the potential issues. Um, but not necessarily that uh, errors and warnings are the top priorities I'd focus on. Um, usually I try to justify the time to be spent on fixing those errors. So if you have something that's going to require the IT team or the developer, you know, three months to fix, um, you could focus on that. But unless that's your bottleneck with, with SEO or ranking or speed or whatever, um, I wouldn't focus on that one. I'll do the quick wins first. Um, quick fixes. Sometimes you see a thousand errors, but in reality, just one place where you can fix it and everything gets fixed right away. Um, and sometimes um, those relate to pages that are not important, whether for SEO or any other marketing channel. So you don't necessarily need to focus on the 100% score from those tools and making sure that you have zero errors on the website. Um, I don't think search engines uh, are looking for perfection. Uh, they're more looking for crawlability, ability to please the user with the content that you provide. Um, so you just need to make sure those are actually being found by the search engines and then ultimately your users. So mm -hmm. the focus shouldn't be 
those scary numbers that those tools provide you, especially with an e-commerce website, um, Shopify, you would get a ton of those errors. Sometimes you can or cannot fix them because you don't have control over those. Um, sometimes the developer might not even be able to fix the speed issues unless you hire or rent multiple servers, use CDNs. Um, but I would also suggest looking into other solutions like Cloudflare um, or other CDN networks that could provide you with some of those optimization techniques pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Yeah, interesting about that. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, tools that you use uh, to check out technical optimization. Because uh, if I use a bunch of tools, uh, you know, they provide a list of errors. And when I fix one list, uh, you can get new errors <laughs> on other tools. So yeah, it's time consuming uh, time to time. Can you tell uh, it's a must have, you know, to fix with those tools? And uh, yeah, just or choose uh, one or two tools because it's hard, you know, when you have a bunch of tools, all of them provide different errors, sometimes the same, sometimes different. Uh, can you tell about priorities with tools? Um, with tool, it varies. Again, um, I don't put the priority on the specific error itself, but other, mm -hmm. rather, which pages do those relate to? If I have a high traffic page uh, that's generating, um, you know, revenue and a lot of traffic is coming through, I have two things. If I'm not making money from this traffic, I need to fix the UX related stuff um, or, uh, you know, work on the conversion optimization for those pages. But if they are also generating revenue, I'll focus on what are the issues I'm encountering on that page? Is that the H1 missing, meta title missing, uh, description missing, or is it some kind of a broken link on the page and other things? So I'll, rather than focusing on the type of error that those tools provide me, I'll focus on the pages that are generating me revenue and traffic today uh, that I can make more money out of um, and fix mm -hmm. the issues on those pages. And a lot of times, if it's a site-wide issue, like a broken link in the, in the footer, you would see a thousand errors because you have thousands of pages. Uh, but if you fix on that specific page, you automatically fix it on the rest of the pages because it was a footer link or a header menu link. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't put the focus and priority on what those tools provide me, but rather which are the pages important to me on that specific website. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. You remind me of one issue with client and, you know, uh, he uh, fixed for, for a week uh, errors uh, on pages about us, uh, contact and many other helpful pages and he fixed uh, alt text on these pages you know he wrote uh, 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 title and description for pictures for pages that we are not going to rent you know yeah <laughs> and i told him no you don't do it because uh, google uh, won't rank those pages we don't need to have uh, uh, tight alt text for these pictures because they are not unique just nothing special about that um, i have the question about um, uh, about uh, choosing uh, between UX and uh, technical optimization. I, I remember when Brandin shared study uh, when he uh, decided to uh, take away some uh, uh, UX, you know, uh, to get much higher results with page speed optimization, uh, page speed insights, and uh, after that, uh, nothing changed 
in the top 10 results and uh, but he lost user behavior you know because when uh, he decided to take away some pictures to take away some content uh, page speed insights grew but uh, results didn't come from google what do you think how to find this balance between ux and technical optimization it's it's an interesting question and a lot of times seos tend to take it on themselves um, on trying to fix this. But as an SEO, uh, my job is to identify potential issues and recommend suggestions. So in those cases, I tend to rely on the expertise of our UX and our IT teams rather than trying to fix it myself. Uh, because sometimes an issue may seem like a five-minute fix uh, from my perspective. But then when you talk to IT, you realize it's a two months worth of work where they don't have the resources to work on those. Um, so again, it comes to how absolutely critical it is um, to work on those things. How much time is it going to consume to fix it? Like if you invest two months of work, let's say $20,000 into fixing it, is it going to recoup the investment? Are you going to make at least $2,000 more every month because of that fix? Most probably not. But is it hindering you from, from improvement? So it mm -hmm. varies. I'm not a UX expert. I'm not an IT expert. But I can provide the feedback for them to improve on the page. For example, a lot of times with e-commerce website, your money-making pages are the products, right? Uh, it's your front-end front -end store and the products. But then you have a blog that's generating a lot of traffic on the how-to-related stuff or what is uh, or other FAQ uh, that people ask. And this traffic doesn't necessarily convert. My job as an SEO is making sure those pages get traffic. But then to generate revenue, it's more of UX and conversion optimization where I have to work with the UX team saying, hey, guys, I brought in 10,000 people to this page. Can you make money out of it? Uh, <laughs> where, where can you make yeah. money or what can you sell them? How can you sell them, et cetera? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have the question. Uh, we have two questions. Uh, you replied to the first question uh, about second. What are the technical SEO best practices? Can you tell about best practices? It's you know, so for, for me, it's interesting that the best practices don't exist. It's my opinion because I think uh, yeah, um, I usually see when uh, something can work much better for a specific project. You know, for uh, some projects, they can get much higher results with UX, with others with link building, the rest with uh, technical optimization. So, yeah, it's my opinion. What do you think? Best practices varies. So if we're talking about technical SEO, the best practices that are recommended by Google can be found in Google support tools, uh, support mm -hmm. section for webmasters. Uh, but there are a lot of challenges I've noticed where it's important to put in the time in advance. Um, for example, um, a lot of times as the company grows, uh, companies don't tend to provide that much importance to SEO unless they see a problem. Un until the, the money and traffic drops, they don't focus on the SEO. And that usually happens where your other teams don't have the full scope and full knowledge of SEO. Um, what I found important um, in bigger companies or as the companies grow, it's making sure that uh, there are checks and balances in place. Uh, an H1, a meta title might look great for, uh, let's say, 
branding purposes, but if nobody sees that or nobody is able to identify or find that page from SEO perspective, you need to work with those teams. And at least from the technical perspective, there should be uh, major checks. For example, um, the IT team has to have a, a list of guidance. For example, we require a canonical URL on each and every page that is important, or we need to have a meta title on each and every page. Like really starting from the small things because uh, what tends to happen um, for a programmer if they're not familiar with SEO and how it could impact their search engines and rankings in search engines, um, they might remove the, the canonical URL field or they might mix up the HRF link tags and then you go figure as an SEO for the next six months how to fix it. So it's important initially providing those best practices or I'll say even recommendations and requirements to the team as soon as you join the team as an SEO. And over time, build on top of that based on what issues you encounter in that company. For example, you see that IT team launches the page, but they never check the footer links or they never check minification of CSS or other things. So you kind of keep adding on top of your requirements and you know best practices over time for that specific company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we have the question from Bella. Uh, what are key audit checks you will consider for website migration? Yeah, great question, by the way. This is a this is an awesome question. Uh, everything. So it depends on what type of a migration are you planning. Is it a one-to-one -one migration? Is it a domain change? Is it a restructuring? Is it a platform change? So that's where when you identify your full scope of the migration, that's when you see what should happen during the migration. For example, if it's a one-to-one -one migration that after you change the website, they should be identical in terms of what they feed to search engines, meaning the code, the copy, the meta titles, meta descriptions, canonicals, everything else on the page has to be identical. Um, in those cases, I tend to crawl the website before the migration and right after it happens, or if we're working in a staging environment, which is much preferred, making sure the staging environment is actually what I need once it goes live. And in those cases, it's much easier because you have to check to make sure it's a one-to-one. -one. Let's say if your homepage meta title was ABC, you have it on the staging or new website. Um, and all the other fields that could relate to SEO, OG tags, Twitter tags, um, social sharing or internal links, copy, uh, text links. Um, one interesting thing in those cases, if you're doing a one-to-one, -one, but at the same time you are, let's say, changing a little bit of code, um, I would also look at the code size and, you know, code to text ratio um, so that after the migration happens, if I encounter any drops or changes because it was a one-to-one, -one, it shouldn't happen. But in case it happens, I know that could be another factor to look into the code changes. Uh, the one-to-one -one is much easier. Um, when you have the other scenarios where you're restructuring the website as you go, um, you will also need to prepare the next steps. For example, the redirects uh, that should happen right after the migration. Um, today it's a 200, but after you change the website to the new version, it should be a redirect. Um, another common and stupid mistake that I've seen very often is the trailing slash. 
Um, let's say if you're migrating from WordPress to another platform that doesn't add the trailing slash to the URLs, uh, that's a big challenge. Uh, then you get to do all the redirects with the trailing slash. And sometimes you even have new pages with the trailing slash that should remain on the new platform. So those are more trickier when, when you get a restructuring happening or changes happening to the website code and the platform. Because not every platform works the same way. Um, and ideally, when you're choosing a new platform from SEO perspective, at least a recommendation to IT should be the new platform has to be faster. The new CMS mm -hmm. has to be faster before you get into it. Okay, uh, your advice. Uh, what is your loving uh, CMS, you know, <laughs> that might work for I don't, projects? I don't have it. I don't have it. I love custom because you have full control over what needs to happen on the website. And you can add anything you want. You can remove anything you want. You can fully work with it. Like you're not depending on a third party. With any CMS, like the most common one, WordPress, you are dependent on WordPress or the plugins it provides. Um, and you can't do a full customization. The same as with any other CMS, um, except the new ones, which are headless CMS. And all they do, they don't provide you the front end. They just provide you the back end and APIs for the front end, which again, it, since SEOs are working with the front end, it makes our um, requirements more broad and more specific because then the developers can develop something specific for you. So mm -hmm. um, I don't have a specific requirement for the CMS or recommendation. But whatever you choose, make sure it's something you choose for the next three to five years and not just for the moment because it's it's common today. It's great today. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have the question about, uh, do you have a website migration checklist? Um, yes, I have been developing one over time. Um, you can find it on mazelist.com. Um, we have the latest version fine-tuned there. Um, it should be in the top menu. Uh, but and that checklist, um, I would recommend improving on that as you work on any any migration because that's something I also improve over time. And some of the things you may need for your migration, some of the things you may not need for your migration. But um, there are so many small things that can go wrong that the more you add on top, the better for you. And uh, the approach I have usually is a three-stage checklist. Uh, one is before the migration, uh, pre-migration, I call it. Uh, the other checklist is for launch day. And you have the post-migration to see how it impacted your SEO over the ne next one month or so. Um, and feel free to add on top of it, depending on the website, depending on the team you may need. Like, um, like for example, if you're changing domain, you definitely need to make sure you have the GSC for the new domain set up. Um, mm -hmm. or if you're not changing that, then you'd remove it from your checklist. So again, it comes back to what type of, uh, uh migration it is. Uh, yes, mm -hmm. that's, um, a tool we're building for, uh, basically all the tools we talked about with the, the website crawlability, um, based on my knowledge and experience, I've been developing a tool that helps, um, with the SEO QA during the website migration. You add the, the version one of your website and then the version two of your website and it would crawl and compare the two together.
Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a specific URL, uh, please uh, type on private chat. I will share uh, on my podcast when I submit to Apple, uh, Google, Spotify. And I have the question uh, that I often uh, face with my clients when they decided to migrate URLs or even domain, they usually uh, lose some weight. I mean, like SEO weight, uh, uh, link building, you know, backlinks that uh, link to uh, the previous pages. Can you tell how to save them? Because, you know, link building uh, costs money, <laughs> huge money. And when you migrate, uh, for example, if you decided to rebrand your domain, to, uh, uh, sometimes we can lose the weight. And when you spend like, I don't know, 100K, you know, for link building campaigns, and when you can lose it, it, it costs money. Can you tell how to avoid such issues? Absolutely. Um, I mean, the common answer you're going to find online and asking other SEOs is going to be a redirect. Mm -hmm. cool, thank you. Uh, but mm -hmm. not necessarily. Um, there are a couple of things. Usually when a rebrand or URL changes are going to happen, um, I first ask the question, do we absolutely need to change the URLs before we do anything? So that's number one. Do you actually need to change the URL of the page? Because if you have thousands of backlinks coming to it, you want to retain the value. You can keep the page and create another page to target another keyword or to serve mm -hmm. another purpose. So the first question is, do you absolutely need to change the URL? If uh, yes. Yeah. But rebranding, yes, because right? rebranding, yeah. <laughs> yeah, rebranding. You absolutely have to change it. You have So that's, that's where I prioritize the business purpose over SEO purpose. Mm -hmm. yeah. A lot of businesses do. And I'm going to give you a, a good example that happened a couple months ago. So there was a major, um, I'm not going to mention brands or company names here um, due to non-disclosures, but there was a major retailer website that was supposed to shut down end of March, early April. And the products that that website sold um, were supposed to be sold by two different other brands. So this is what I call a split migration. Uh, that was one of the unique migrations I did, where you don't necessarily migrate it to another platform or another domain, but you shut down a website and split the traffic to redirect to two different, again, major retailers. And we're talking about thousands of visitors a day, a ton of great keywords it's ranking for. So how do you retain the value of those? Uh, because that's not just the backlinks, you also have incoming traffic for those pages you want to take to the next one. So the first one was identifying all the pages, making sure that I have a list of full URLs that are generating traffic based on Google Analytics or Adobe Analytics, whatever you're using. The second is what are the pages that generate SEO traffic from Google Search Console or Bing Webmaster Tools. And those would be my pri priority pages, making sure I redirect them to a related URL that's very close. In addition to the redirect, I wanted to make sure that my source content and the new website's content match more or less. So you, you want to make sure that where you're redirecting actually has enough quality to rank for the same keyword if it isn't ranking yet. So those are the two major things I would focus on uh, when doing uh, uh, rebranding or redirecting a ton of pages. Make sure that you don't just like redirect everything to the homepage or redirect everything to the blog. If you have pages that generate traffic, make sure to re re redirect them to the related pages. 
mm-hmm. and yeah. redirect. Now yeah, to the, the backlinks uh, you, you mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, as far as the backlinks go, um, the first step is absolutely make the 301 redirects, making sure that um, no matter where the traffic or search engines find your URLs, they're redirected to the new page. But the second phase I would launch right after this happens um, for the next at least few months is spending time. And usually you can utilize offshore or outside resources for this. Um, is taking the top list of all URLs, all the backlinks you had to the previous domain and trying to get those updated to the new one. A lot of times when you reach out to the websites, you say, hey, we changed our brand. Could you please update our link from this to this? Uh, They'll definitely do it. And you can also utilize that resource to retarget some of your backlinks rather than sending everything to the homepage. Maybe let's say this website is a, wiki website, a specific blog post on your page could make much more sense than the old homepage link that you had. So at least focusing on the top, um, you know, top quality backlinks um, that you had and actually updating those. Um, I did that exercise uh, two years ago with one of the companies where we basically did three migrations within six months. from www to non-www, HTTP to HTTPS for the website. And then they decided to change the domain from .io to .com. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started outreaching all the major websites that were linking to us and asking them to update to the .com link. Um, and you'd be surprised how a lot of webmasters and website owners are open to updating those links. So mm-hmm. then you don't nice. have to utilize the, the loss of the 301 redirect for those. Yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, okay, I, ha- I have the question about common mistakes in technical SEO. Can you share uh, which uh, common mistakes masters can make and uh, how, how to avoid them? Common At least mistakes. three mistakes. <laughs> well, um, that usually comes based on the webmaster's experience. Mm-hmm. Um, like my teams do make mistakes um, and I don't blame anyone because it's something that you have to make the mistake to learn mm-hmm. as long as those mistakes don't, you know, stay there for months and jeopardize the website and traffic and the indexation. Um, common things a lot of times is missing the obvious. Um, for example, you know, just uh, like I mentioned, the trailing slash um, in a lot of platforms that said, that's making a difference. Like WordPress adds it by default to all URLs and then you change to something else, it may or may not be there. Um, HRF links are a very dangerous uh, thing to play with if you don't know how to use them. Um, the third one, um, I would also kind of, I keep facing it a lot, um, slipped my mind, mm-hmm. but it was a common thing, sorry. Uh, I'll remember <laughs> it. Uh, but uh, usually the obvious and small things um, are more common mistakes because people feel like um, it shouldn't be causing a problem, uh, but then it does cause a problem and then you identify. That's why a checklist or um, I tend mm-hmm. to work with Excel sheets a lot where I do QAs and run my own algorithms to identify potential issues of the pages um, rather than relying on uh, the other tools that we talked about earlier. 
Um, mm -hmm. So, but uh, a lot of common mistakes are very um, small things that you just didn't think about it, and that happened. The 404s, uh, the, the the URL parameters um, during pagination or you know filtering, etc., that could you know generate um, a lot of links within the website that don't make sense. Um, they shouldn't be there. They shouldn't be indexed or crawlable by the search engines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I have uh, the question. Uh, I want to get back to the question about uh, 301 redirect. Can you tell uh, how to uh, check out that redirect is actually working? Because, you know, uh, I had these issues when we uh, set up this redirect uh, during some time. Uh, that was broken. We don't know why. Uh, uh, it happens, you know, time to time, you know, when you uh, develop your website, when you innovate content, you uh, uh, and it's not one time. Uh, we got such errors many times uh, when the uh, these links, you know, I mean, like this chain uh, were broken. How to uh, control the process that, uh, for example, because if you can uh, find it after a few months, you can lose traffic, you can lose this SEO weight from backlinks and something like this. Uh, do, do Can you rec recommend something to uh, check out that it's working all the time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it depends on the number of links you're checking. Um, I'm going to also provide an example of um, potential issues you may encounter. I usually, when let's, I, I use Screaming Frog, like it's my go-to mm -hmm. tool for technical QA. Um, and when I start the, the crawl, I don't start it with HTTPS www.domain.com. I started with HTTP domain.com. Um, I want to make sure the 301 from HTTP to HTTPS actually works. That's my first way to check it, um, mm -hmm. all the links. Um, I tend to, to focus on any URL with four variations, HTTP non-dub-dub, HTTPS non-dub-dub, and then HTTP or HTTPS with dub-dub. So you have the same URL in four variations by default that should be working. Usually mm -hmm. the three of those should take you to one, which is a 200. The rest of them should be 301. Um, one thing to check there is making sure you don't have a 301 chain, like you're sending the HTTP non dub dub to HTTPS non dub dub, then HTTPS dub 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 for the same domain. So that's a redirect chain. Um, that's one thing to check. If we're working with um, thousands of URLs, then definitely a tool like Screaming Frog, which can identify all the 301s. Um, for example, the, the project I mentioned where we did split migration, um, right after go launch, it took me probably 10 minutes um, to run Screaming Frog on about 20,000 URLs. And then within minutes, I knew which ones were working and which weren't uh, mm -hmm. because my Excel formulas would highlight me. And the similar thing we're developing on Mazelist as well. If we're, if we're talking volumes, you need, you need definitely a tool. If we're talking about one or two URLs you want to check to make sure the 301 works, I would just Google a redirect checker. And most of these websites on the first page actually provide you um, that information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got that. Uh... Okay, I have the question about uh, learning SEO. Uh, for example, if you started from scratch without any experience, skills, nothing, you know, and you want to jump on this field, uh, what would you do to learn SEO today according to your experience? 
I'm excluding technical SEO here because I feel mm -hmm. like that should be the second step of learning SEO. The first one mm -hmm. would be learning the basics and principles. Um, definitely read, watch, read, watch, read, watch as much as you can. Um, jump into some forums and groups where you have a lot of SEOs. Um, I am in a few Facebook groups. I do help others and I have seen a lot of positive and constructive uh, feedback that other SEOs provide because um, no matter how much you know, you always face questions that you don't have the answer for or you don't have the experience dealing with those. So make sure you have that community. I think Reddit has a few groups like Big SEO where a lot of people also help each other. Um, make sure you're in those groups. Watch a lot of educational videos, um, example-based, maybe um, some uh, articles uh, based on how to do specific things. But after a couple of weeks of learning the basics, I would actually start on a website. Like pick a topic, make a website, um, develop it with whatever platform you want with because I assume that person is not a developer so choose WordPress choose Wix or whatever the free platforms that are there build a website start optimizing start changing add content do keyword research with free tools initially um, and then once you start seeing the results which usually take one to six months on average depending on a new website that's when you can start going deeper into other things. But experience-based learning is what I tend to focus on um, because you you shouldn't wait to learn everything before you start acting. You can act like even the first week of you learning something new. Um, or if you want to be an SEO writer, you know, you could work on just the articles using Medium or other platforms. So it depends on where the person is heading. And then when it comes to technical SEO, um, this is a tricky one because not everyone can learn coding. Um, it's just not theirs. Um, but I, I tend to suggest there was a website, W3Schools, and I started learning there 2001 or 2002. I don't remember. But mm -hmm. I've learned a lot of the basics, HTML, CSS, JavaScript through that website, XML. And I would definitely go through HTML and CSS. Uh, first, then JavaScript and um, XML to make sure I have all the knowledge I need for the technical SEO. But again, to be a technical SEO, you have to work on tasks. You have to face the challenges. You have to overcome them. That's when you actually learn things um, because just reading isn't enough. Just watching isn't enough. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. It's the same like to read uh, books, how to play soccer. You know, if you actually don't yeah. play, <laughs> you can't be successful uh, soccer player. So yeah, it takes time. We've practiced more than learning. Uh, I, I like learning, but I prefer practice more than learning because, yeah. you know, uh, we have short memory. When you learn something, you can forget 
for a few weeks about uh, new getting skills. And uh, I use three steps. The first step I learn. The second step I share with social media, uh, on my social media. And uh, the final step, just act and uh, looking for ways of what actually works for me. Because, yeah, uh, many things don't work for me. That's okay, you know. Uh, it depends on my strong side. I agree with you completely about that. Uh, I have the final question about uh, the future of SEO. Can you tell what kind of future uh, are you expecting? Because uh, uh, I remember when I listened to the episode with uh, John Mueller, um, and he uh, shared that uh, technical SEO uh, is not the future because uh, uh, he is expecting that CMS will replace, you know, all uh, technical specialists. What do you think about that? Because it's interesting that Gary Ellis uh, disagreed with him, you know, about that. He told, no, no, you need to understand web development as well. Can you tell your expectations about uh, technical SEO? A few years back, when Google started updating its algorithm from meta title, description, or URL-based things towards other um, ranking factors, like including the user previous searches and other information, uh, things changed. People started thinking SEO is dead. But what I've I've realized that SEO SEO isn't just one thing. It's a combination of a lot of other things. And it's it's like the, the pillar and um, safeguard for a lot of teams as well. For example, IT's work can impact SEO. SEO is free traffic, free revenue, right? PR, uh, branding can impact SEO. UX, UI can impact SEO. It's basically saying, Oh, we don't need the SEO because we have the UX team. But no, you need UX is just looking good on the website and more user friendly. But then you need to make sure the way it's implemented, it's also suitable for search engines to understand what you wanted to do there. So I don't I don't see any death to SEO in the next few years, at least. Um, what John Mueller said is possible, but it's never going to happen, at least for the next five to ten years, because Technology is evolving so fast that a lot of those CMS, they think SEO is about the meta title, meta description, and the URL. That's it. They don't care about the rest. That's why you have a lot of fast CMS coming out that are single page apps. And unless search engines like Google or Bing or others catch up understanding how the website works or how the user works with the website, Technically, SEO is not going to die because you're going to still have a lot of minor details in there that could cause potential issues. But I don't disagree that there will be some CMS which are going to work with search engines much better over time. Um, I think that's what WordPress has been trying to do. I think that's what um, some of the new CMS have been trying to do. But none of them were 100% that, oh, you don't need SEO because you have our CMS. No, you still need the keyword research, which the CMS doesn't do. Or you still need to decide on the architecture of the website, which your CMS is not going to do for you. Yeah. So there, there is a lot. And actually, technical SEO has been like growing in demand more past several years because of all the new CMS and all the new platforms that are coming out and people are migrating to try out. 
I agree with that. Uh, I think, you know, the masters are looking for golden button to uh, touch it and you get traffic. You can uh, technical optimization, link building, content creation. Yeah, they think that AI will uh, write for them, uh, provide links, you know, anything. CMS can decide all their problems without keyword research. It's the process. It's complex. And we have this competition with 1.8 billion websites online. So, yeah, it's it's a huge topic and i completely agree with you uh, it, it takes time you know uh, that if uh, things can change you know for example uh, today we can see that seo is growing yeah we we see it yeah. uh, and it will be not dropped in one day you know without any seo traffic it takes time to decrease and at that point you can adapt to new challenges to find something new that's okay you know because uh, the technologies are coming fast but it takes time for people to change habits you know and today we can see only it's growing that's it you know yeah, yeah. Uh, ludwig it's a big pleasure to get on my show to learn from you to share out available insights tell our audience how they can reach out to you learn more about you follow you thank you thank you anatoly it was a pleasure for me as well and i like some of the questions asked in the in the chat yeah uh how which way is better to reach out to you uh, LinkedIn is fine. Um, I think LinkedIn is my go-to place. Mm -hmm. I do have a personal website as well, but that would mm -hmm. be LinkedIn or email for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, you can find uh, LinkedIn profile and uh, you can share your website. I'll submit to this uh, podcast episode. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. F thanks again for your time. A big pleasure because, yeah, you you know the topic. <laughs> I love it because yeah. I love to learn from experts like you. And, yeah, I'm blessed with that to have a lot of uh, great experts on my show. And, guys, listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.